Good morning, and welcome to Cox Media Houston's Public Affairs Show, FYI. My name is Susie Hanks. The weather here lately has been crazy, and of course, as we're getting closer to hurricane season, it's time to take a look to the skies. And so with us today is Jill Hassling with the Weather Research Center here in Houston. Good morning, Jill. Thank you for coming in. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, we have uh, spoken before. It's always a big topic of discussion here in Houston, the weather. People are always wondering about it, but it just seems like it's been quite a crazy year already. So let's talk a little bit about the Weather Research Center in Houston and what you do. Um, The role has kind of changed here recently. You've been making some changes, so let's talk a little bit about that. Well, Weather Research Center is a nonprofit educational research group. Uh, In 1987, we had started the Weather Museum, but uh, the Weather Museum has expanded into the clouds, and all the exhibits have gone to different museums, like in the Norman, Oklahoma area. They're going to open the National Weather Museum. So a lot of the exhibits and historical documents went there. But Weather Research Center is still here, and we do weather safety talks, and we have a lot of educational programs on our website. Yeah. Tell me about how that started. Well, the Weather Museum uh, was a dream of my father's, John C. Freeman, who started the meteorology department at the University of St. Thomas here in Houston. Uh, And so the museum was set up in memory after he died in 2004. But Weather Research Center, I founded with my father uh, in 1987. So we've been around for a while. And before that, uh, we were at the Institute for Storm Research at the University of St. Thomas. And you are a uh, certified consulting meteorologist and part of the American Meteorological Society. A lot of people don't know how people become meteorologists. Well, you go to college and get a degree in meteorology, and uh, they also have master's and Ph.D. programs. One of the closest places to get your degree, uh, since the University of St. Thomas doesn't have a meteorology department anymore, sadly, uh, is Texas A&M. Oh, okay. And um, tell me how you, because I know that your father was uh, kind of influenced you. Did you always have a love for weather growing up? Did you share that with him? Well, we were always out in the driveway watching for funnel clouds. Uh, He was always chasing hurricanes or had projects that he did at home. So I guess I grew up. uh, My mother was also a mathematics and physics professor at South Texas Junior College. So there was always science around the table. But I was the only one of six kids that was crazy enough to go into meteorology. (laughs) But I was fortunate to work with my father for 30 years. So I basically was in school for 30 years every day uh, where he had me learning something new about the weather. Yeah. There are some people who are just fascinated and uh, they get weather woodies. Dean and uh, Dean and Raj and I often talk about uh, about the weather woodies that people get when, you know, the weather is going on and it's just the most exciting thing to some people. And Dean is one of those people who's very interested in it. It's kind of a, a, a unique fascination. Well, yeah, you just want to know how things work and why. Um, my dad was always fascinated with science and, and how hurricanes work and how uh, the air moves in the atmosphere. So it was always exciting to go hurricane chasing or um, tornado chasing to watch the waves come in. So um, let's talk about the Weather Research Center because you all, it's a nonprofit organization. You um, really have done a lot of, I guess, groundbreaking type research, haven't you? Let's talk a little bit about that. 
Well, yes, in 1985, we started thinking, can we see cycles in hurricanes and try to predict which section of the United States coast has the highest risk each year of experiencing hurricanes? So we started doing outlooks back in 1985, and we've been fascinated with how well they've done. I think since 1985, there's only been three years where hurricanes haven't hit in the section of the coast that we thought they would hit, but they hit in the second highest. So we think there's some indication that there are cycles. Uh, really, because I, there's been so much, I, I guess, uh, study, but there are so many different conflicting theories about hurricanes are, and out there, aren't there? Well, it's hard to predict Mother Nature, yeah. as they say, and there's a lot of things that go into steering hurricanes, so it's awful hard to actually predict where they're going to go, plus they're large, and they come in all different sizes, and what we've found since uh, you know 2005 with Katrina and Rita and Ike is when you have a large hurricane, even if it doesn't have really high winds, it can impact you greatly, like we experienced with Hurricane Ike here on the upper Texas coast. So we've been doing a lot of research in in how we can predict what the size of a hurricane would cause on the impacts as it makes landfall. Yeah. Um, the, and, and each hurricane is different, as, uh, as we all know, and it totally depends on, I guess, where it's going to hit, where with the kind of effects and things. They're just each the, each um, of them are unto their own. They're, there's just no duplication, is there? Yes, they seem to have unique features. I mean, we we had last year on the east coast, uh, on the east in the East Pacific, Hurricane Patricia, which had one of the lowest pressures we've ever experienced in this hemisphere. It went down to eight hundred and seventy-two millibars, but it was such a small storm. And so, if you take that and you run it across the uh, Gulf of Mexico, the impact would have been a smaller area than, say, Ike or Hurricane Carlo, which were giant hurricanes that impacted the Texas coast. Yeah. Um, so what is this year supposed to be like? I know that there um, there are uh, a, a lot of people out there making predictions. Tell me what, what you all think. Well, our prediction is for seven to uh, nine named storms, which is a little bit below normal. Uh, on average, you'll have about 12 named storms. We're looking for the west coast of Florida to have the highest risk. And then Texas has a 60% chance, which is above normal. Usually in any year, if you just base it on climatology, looking at all the storms, we always have a 56% chance of Texas having a hurricane. But this year we're a little above average. So we're looking that something could maybe form and uh, move into our area. Why is it above average? It's just in our cycle that Uh we look at, we have our cyclone strike index, and in the phase that we're in, in our cycle, Texas has one of the highest uh, above normal risks this year. And uh, so we we were kind of talking before we began here, talking about um, uh, the the hurricanes and the cycles and things and being, being ready, I guess that the... The, the key thing is to always be ready. So let's talk a little bit about that. If you live along the coast of the United States, you need to prepare for hurricane season because if, it doesn't matter how many storms people are predicting. If one storm hits you, then it's been an active season. So if you live along the coast, you need to be prepared for hurricane season and know what you need to do. If you're in a zone where you know you might have to evacuate, you need to be ready to evacuate and your family needs to have a plan. 
And if you need help making that plan, they're going to have the Houston-Galveston Hurricane Workshop Saturday, May 21st, down at the George R. Brown Convention Center. And that would be a, it's a free workshop. You can come down and get information on how to get prepared. And Weather Research Center is even having a kids zone there. So there's activities for the kids as well. So you need to come on down and get prepared for hurricane season. We are talking with Jill Hassling. She's with the Weather Research Center in Houston. And um, uh, we're talking about uh, the, the, the hurricane season coming up. It starts June the 1st. And also um, the weather that's been happening here lately. That We have seemingly had a ton of very big weather events that have hit here recently in our area. A lot of big rain events and very widespread. What's going on? Well, it's normal weather. (laughs) Uh, Actually, if you look back through the history, Houston probably has a flood somewhere every year. Now, we have larger magnitudes sometimes. It depends on what watershed it falls on. But if you have streaming thunderstorms, if you have a frontal system that comes in and stalls and thunderstorms move up along that system and it trains over an area, you have a lot of rain. We're flat. There's no place for the water to go. And if it comes at a really rapid rate, you're going to flood. So I would advise everyone in Houston, even if your mortgage company doesn't require it, buy flood insurance because you're in a flat area. And if that 20 to 24 inches of rain falls on you, there's a good chance that you could flood. Yeah. Uh, I, I I was seeing in a lot of um, uh, the, I, I guess it was in the uh, paper or on a TV station here lately. They they were showing pictures of Houston um, long ago where it flooded like crazy as well. A lot of people blame the flooding that we have on the development on on so much development in the area that there seems to be nowhere for the water to go. But but Houston has always been a flood zone, hasn't it? When it was founded in 1837, there's records that they had a flood. So we have watersheds that all come together in our area. It's flat. And when you have that warm tropical moisture from the Gulf hit the dry air coming down off the Rockies, you're going to have thunderstorms develop and you're going to have heavy downpours. So it's going to flood. It's flooded throughout our whole history. And if you go to our website, there's a list of Houston floods. And it's just, you have to be ready. There's a reason why our forefathers built the houses up on pier and beam, because it floods. And so we just have to learn to adapt to that. And we also need to learn we shouldn't drive into floodwaters. All of us should know that you can't make it through floodwaters. And we just need to wait a little while, and it will go away. Mm-hmm. It will go down. Yeah, turn around, don't drown. That's what saying. And, and I know that the city of Houston is actually going to take steps to help people understand how to deal with uh, an emergency situations when they're in their cars and they're getting into floodwaters because a lot of people drive in and, and you know it's dark and they don't know it's there and 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 you know despite your best advice to stay home or whatever, a lot of people find themselves in it. And then they don't know what to do. So they're, they're taking steps to help people figure that out as well. Yes, you just need to use common sense. Go to high ground. Go to a parking lot that's high and wait it out. And it will go down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had people um, uh, tell me, that because I didn't grow up here, and I, and I know when we first moved here, the torrential downpours was not used to that. Those, the kind of big, huge torrential downpours we have here are kind of unique to our area or they're there it, it doesn't happen in in all parts of the u.s does it we have a unique situation kind of because of where we are is that right 
Well, yeah, we're a, we're along the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. and so you're going to have that warm Gulf moisture come in, and you have tropical rainfalls like Florida and Louisiana. All of the people along the coast will experience those heavy downpours. Uh, and actually, if you move away, you miss it. <laughs> so yeah. When you get into Seattle and you just have little light rain, you kind of miss the thunderstorms. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's typical of this area. And like I said, you can expect on average, if you average out all the floods we had, four or five flood days a year mm-hmm. is what it would average out to. Yeah. I, it's always interesting to see somebody who's just moved here or somebody who's visiting and, and, and experience one of those for the first time. They're like, you know, their mind gets blown because it's just such, such a, 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 a just a, a, a downpour. It's amazing. Well, I can remember uh, visiting Los Angeles, and we were going on a tour, and they were having some unusual rains. And the tour bus drivers were telling you, okay, to get your shoes dry, stuff paper in them. I'm going, why are these people getting so crazy about rain? You know, rain's normal, but out there it wasn't normal. Yeah. We are talking with Jill Hasling with the Weather Research Center in Houston, and we've been talking about the the, the weather and the different kinds of things um, that have been going on. Tell me about hind casting. This is something that you do um, there at the Weather Research Center. A lot of times you um, uh, hind cast for different uh, things. Tell me about that. Well, we like to call it, uh, we, we actually used to have a weather camp on it called Storm Scene Investigation, so we could call it SSI. <laughs> but if something happened and it's weather related, you have to go back and see what caused that weather event. So you go back to past data and you try to recreate uh, the storm scene to see what happened, how high were the winds, what caused whatever caused the uh, weather event that could have caused an accident or caused an event. A good example is Hurricane Katrina. Uh, There's a house over there, and you go and you look at the house, and all that's left is a slab, but on top of the slab is a brick wall, and on top of the brick wall is a tree on top of that wall. And people are saying, well, we're not going to pay your claim because that was uh, flood damage, storm surge damage, so we don't cover that. But which came first, the wind or the storm surge? So you're looking at the slab with a brick wall with a tree on it. So obviously the wind came first. So you do things like that to help people out uh, if they have a claim or and want to know, uh, you know, what actually happened and in what order. You know, that's interesting that, pe- that uh, uh, oftentimes there is kind of an argument about that, which came first. And a lot of people, how do you prove it? Can they call you and you will help them with that? Or is that, that, is that how that works? Yeah, we've been in cases involved in that. It's called forensic meteorology, so it's kind of exciting uh, to try to see and see if you can recreate how the storm came in and what the winds were at certain times as you're tracking the storm in and then what was the storm surge at different times. So it's always fascinating to try to unravel unravel that puzzle and, and get the story of the actual storm event. Yeah, you... Um, uh, do a lot of I'm I'm reading here about uh, space capsules and Titanic and things like that. How does that? <laughs> that's on your from your well, website. Well, we actually pr- used to provide uh, daily weather forecast, and so sometimes uh, people that were doing movies, like when they were filming, uh, uh, um, was it Armageddon mm-hmm. and stuff, and they were doing the rockets on the offshore platform. We were forecasting for the offshore platform. For that, so the movie people used our forecasts uh, for filming to know what kind of day they were going to have, and then when they were recovering parts of the Titanic, 
the ROV that was going down to look at the Titanic. We were forecasting for that. So, so it, you get into some interesting projects uh, when you're doing forecasts for offshore. Yeah, that's that's a, a fascinating stuff. I know that a lot of uh, companies and organizations do, uh, get a lot of, um, I, I guess, personalized weather forecasting for projects and things. Uh, the And, you know, the weather affects everybody, not just your drive to work, but there's a lot of big things that depend on the weather. That's right. It's hard. If you're doing construction and you can't pour concrete if it's too cold or too hot, you know, you want to know a temperature forecast. So, a private weather forecast company can provide that type of information uh, to give you the details that where you're getting warned by the National Weather Service, who does a fantastic job, uh, that if you need more detailed information, that's where a private sector meteorologist would come in and give you that. Yeah. Um, another thing that the Weather Research Center does is uh, education. Uh, you do a lot of outreach. Tell me about that. Uh, yes, that's uh, something that's really close to my heart and something my father instilled in me. And the best way to save your life and protect your family is with knowledge. And so we strive to make the community weather-wise. And so we have a lot of educational information. We'll go out and give talks to classes and to school groups. And um, We want kids to have a love for science and math. And what better thing to discuss is weather. I mean, when you go into a party, what's the first thing people are talking about is the weather. So uh, it's fascinating to pass that along and, and answer people's question about what causes weather. Um, do you go and talk to the schools and things like that? And do they come to you? How does that work? Well, when we had the Weather Museum, they came to the Weather Museum. Now a meteorologist can go out and do presentations at their classes. Um, and then also, uh, we're moving towards the website with information that people can go there and get on the weather on hurricanes and on floods and, uh, experiments for the kids to do at home. You know, there's a lot of talk about STEM, um, uh, courses, STEM curriculum and how important STEM, uh, the science, technology, uh, uh, what's the E and math in uh, engineering. engineering, yes, yeah. science, technology, engineering, and math, and about how those are so important for the the future, and how there's a lot of kind of a push to get kids into it. This is something that 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 our our youth should be, I guess, focused on, so that we have great meteorologists in the future. <laughs> yes, we want to have uh, and continue the science on, and I I just attended a great hurricane conference in Puerto Rico, and there are some bright and young students that are coming along with some wonderful ideas to improve our modeling and our uh, prediction schemes for hurricanes. Um, you mentioned something about the University of St. Thomas, Thomas not having a meteorology uh, uh, department anymore um, and A&M doing that. Is, there, is, is, is it kind of a lost art? Is it fading away? Are there uh, uh, specific, I guess, schools that are trying to take their place? What's going on with that? Uh, well, no. The, I mean, there's always been schools in meteorology. Texas, like I said, Texas A&M is one of the closest. My dad was involved with founding the meteorology department there back in the 50s. Um, but there's uh, Oklahoma. No, the meteorology schools are doing fantastic. And there are more and more uh, people getting into the field. Uh, what we need to do is create jobs for the meteorologists when they come out, uh, some might go in thinking they're going to be TV meteorologists, but we not everyone can be a TV meteorologist. But there's so many things in the field. Uh, many meteorologists have gone into teaching science to young kids in school. 
but there's research. You know, you need weather in everything you do. It impacts uh, it impacts your retail sales. You know, when do you put that ad on for coats? But, you know, you don't want to put it when it's 80 degrees outside or 90 degrees. You don't want to be advertising sweaters and coats, so you want to know when is the first cold snap going to be. Or right now, you know, beer sales, you want to look and see when would be a good day where it's going to be hot and everybody wants to go out to the beach with beer. You know, wow, I never even thought about that. That's, there's, it's very far-reaching. It's not just the meteorologist on TV. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about the funding for, um, the, the, uh, the weather research center. Well, uh, we, uh, have donations and memberships, but we also, uh, our main thing was training young meteorologists in the art of tropical, um, marine meteorology. And so we would have, we would provide a service of daily forecast to the offshore oil industry globally. And that's where most of the support came for uh, that training. Mm-hmm. And now that that's not, uh, I mean, where is the funding that you're getting coming from now? Is that, is that, that where it's, it's coming It's from? the same. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, but, but it's a nonprofit. It's a 501c3. And that's correct. And so if somebody's interested in, 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 in donating or do you have corporate sponsors to personal sponsors? Tell me about that. Yeah, it's been, uh, they can become a member of Weather Research Center or they can make donations. We've had corporate sponsors in the, spa- in the past, especially with the Weather Museum. Um, but um, it's, um, you know, you can become a member of the Weather Museum. You can go to our website for all of that information. And if, um, uh, if so, and what is the website? Because a lot of people are going to be listening and going to be wanting to go to it. So It's www.wxresearch.com. Okay. I, I know that you go out and you do do talks. Do you, um, do you, uh, is, uh, can an organization hire you to come and do it? Do you, do they, they just ask you to come and do it? Tell me about that. We've done it both ways. It depends on what they need. Uh, usually they'll make a donation uh, and we can do weather safety or if it's for school, we can cover the curriculum if they're talking about severe weather, flooding or hurricanes or just basic weather basics. Yeah. Um, what are some of the main questions that people ask you when they meet you and they find out what you do? What's the difference between a tornado and a hurricane? Really? People ask you that. That's yes. so interesting. So what is the difference between a tornado and a hurricane? Well, they're both cyclones, but the size is a lot different. And hurricanes uh, need the oceans and the uh, water for their heat engine. Mm-hmm. And tornadoes usually come out of thunderstorms. And, and, and the prediction of both is very different as well. Yes, it's very hard to predict a tornado. They've done wonders with the Doppler radar in identifying thunderstorms that could cause tornadoes. So you'll see warnings issued on that um, because we can now see into the storms and see the winds. Um, So, But there's still a lot of research done every year trying to to determine what causes a tornado. Yeah. Tell me about what what do you think about those storm chaser guys that you always see out there who are driving around looking for the tornadoes? Have you ever done anything like that or would you want to or what makes those people do that? I have (laughs) never done anything like that. I would love to go see a tornado, but I don't want to see the aftermath. So that kind of keeps me from that. Uh, I think some of them are a little wild <laughs> going, but uh, I know that if you go to the University of Oklahoma, that's probably one of the first things you do is go out and try to chase a tornado. Yeah. Uh, what was the, the movie Twister that was out 
quite a quite a while ago. Do, do, do you think that that inspired a lot of would-be meteorologists, maybe, or storm chasers? It probably did, but I never could understand why Helen Hunt's hair was never messed up when she went <laughs> through an EF5. It was interesting. I know, and she had on a white tank top that was never dirty either until yeah. <laughs> the very end. I guess that's just a Hollywood portrayal, but it's so it's just so interesting the the you know the the uh, that that kind of took off there for a while, and people would pay to go on vacations to go do that. That seems yeah, they still do that today. There's still the fascination with wanting to see a tornado. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if, if somebody if, uh, if 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 somebody's listening and they have a young person in their life or or a young person's listening right now and they're thinking about going into this if they if 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 they have a knack for it if they have a a true interest what would your advice be to them if they wanted to get into the in uh, into the world and become a professional meteorologist what would you tell them to do they need to take all the math and science that they can in school uh you want to take physics and and all the math and in high school that you can take and you want to start early looking into the schools that you might want to go to and also research the different fields. Like I say, there's space weather, there's uh, satellite, if you want to know how satellites work, radar, there's the TV broadcasters, there's pri- there's a whole private sector, and there's a lot of research. So you need to know what is it that fascinates you and what do you want to study and become with the being a meteorologist. And like you said, the focus on the tropical, the, you can do that if you want to. That's correct. And you need to pick your school because not all schools give tropical meteorology. There's people that can get degrees in meteorology and never took a tropical class. So that's where a lot of our training came in at Weather Research Center. We took people that were meteorologists, but they had never had tropical and we had to train them in tropical meteorology. You know, that's just fascinating that they wouldn't have that aspect because that seems to be one of the biggest ones to, to me. Well, it's big to us because we live on the coast. True. But if you live uh, in the middle of the country, it might be blizzards or snow and studying how, you know, how these storm systems come through. And so where, uh, where now that, uh, I mean, who's stepping in for that? Who's stepping in with that tropical education right Well, now? different places are doing the same thing. And, I mean, there's schools that specialize mm-hmm. in tropical. And that's why I was saying you need to be careful what school you pick depending on what fascinates you about the weather. Believe it or not, one of the best schools to go to for tropical meteorology is Colorado State. So they're in the middle of the country, but they have one of the best tropical departments. And they always come out with a hurricane uh, prediction, don't they? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> and then that seems to be always kind of in conflict with what the with the uh, 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 hurricane center or something, or is that is is that not the case anymore? It's not really a conflict, uh-huh. but like anyone says, is why what's the use of uh, predicting the number of storms? Because like if one hits you, it's an active season. It's just kind of something fun to do, but it doesn't give you useful information. Like June first to November thirtieth, you need to prepare for hurricane season because you really don't know where the hurricanes are going to make landfall. Yeah. And 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 finally, what is it? Is, is there something to the the saying that oh, we haven't had one for a while, we're due? You know, a lot of people will say that. Is that kind of a is mathematically correct? Is that possible, or does that have anything to do with the cycles, or is that? Well, it's the problem I have with that is people's history mainly starts when they move in. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, where I live, people will go, oh, I've been here for 10 years and we haven't had a flood. Well, flood started when I was there in 1957. We had a flood. Then they've had them in, you know, 93, 94. 
So it's it, history doesn't start when you get there. If you want to actually know what the weather's been, where you're moving into, then you need to look at all the weather, not just since you've moved there. Right, definitely. And and tell us about that hurricane workshop that's coming up again, because this is very important for people who have not been or have been through storms. If you are just getting ready for it, you should go to this, right? Yes, and the emergency managers are there from uh, the surrounding counties in Harris County. It's uh, the Houston-Galveston Hurricane Workshop. It'll be on Saturday, May 21st at George R. Brown uh, Hall A3. And that's where you should go to get information. And make your dang hurricane kits. That's And they have how to build a kit at this workshop. Yeah, super important. Thank you very much. We have been talking with Jill Hassling with the Weather Research Center in Houston. And once again, what's the website? www.wxresearch.com. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. My name is Susie Hanks. You've been listening to FYI.